This is the Read to Lead podcast, episode 56. Hi, I'm Chris Guillebeau, author of The Happiness of Pursuit, finding the quest that will bring purpose to your life. And in fact, you can start bringing purpose to your life right now. Keep listening to the Read to Lead podcast with my friend, Jeff Brown. encourage everyone to form accountability, match up with other people that are going through the same process that you are. You'll hold each other accountable to this. Welcome to the Read to Lead podcast with Jeff Brown. Jeff believes that if you desire to achieve true success in business and in life, then consistent and intentional reading is a must. The Read to Lead podcast will not only help you narrow this ever important reading list, but also bring you key insights and valuable feedback from some of today's most successful and inspiring authors. And now here's Jeff. Hi there. Welcome back to the podcast dedicated to your personal and professional growth. Each week we sit down with a successful and inspiring author. We talk about their latest book and their thoughts on leadership, personal development, career, marketing, business, and entrepreneurship. And in this episode, we chat with Mike Michalowicz, author of the book Profit First, a simple system to transform any business from a cash-eating monster to a money-making machine. I love that title. And in today's episode, Mike will share why he believes that generally accepted accounting principles are killing your business, the steps you need to take to get your business profit ready, simple solutions for destroying debt once and for all, and a lot more. I want to be sure you're aware that Dave Ramsey is teaming up with marketing powerhouses Seth Godin and Gary Vaynerchuk for a one-time event in New York City. You need to be there. It's called Business Gets Personal, and it's happening on October 2nd. Find out more at readtoleadpodcast.com slash Dave, and be sure and use Read to Lead at checkout for $100 off your ticket purchase. Get short, concise, and thorough business book summaries delivered inside the blink. Blinkist app. You can try it free for three days and save 30% on an annual subscription. To find out more, visit the show notes page for this episode, readtoleadpodcast.com slash 056. By his 35th birthday, Mike Michalowicz had founded and sold two multi-million dollar companies. Confident that he had the formula for success, he became an angel investor and proceeded to lose his entire fortune. Then he started all over again, driven to find better ways to grow healthy, strong companies. Now, among other innovative strategies, Mike created the Profit First formula, a way for businesses to ensure profitability from their very next deposit forward. Mike is now running his third million dollar venture, is a former small business columnist for the Wall Street Journal, a former MS. NBC business makeover expert, a popular keynote speaker on innovative entrepreneurial topics, and is the author of The Pumpkin Plan and The Toilet Paper Entrepreneur, which Business Week deemed the entrepreneur's cult classic. His latest book is called Profit First, a simple system to transform any business from a cash-eating monster to a money-making machine. He, of course, is our guest today. Michael, welcome to the Read to Lead podcast. Oh, Jeff, thank you for having me. And is it okay to call you Mike? Oh yeah, please. I prefer that. Well, this first question is going to hurt a little bit, so I hope you're hope you're ready. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> How does someone uh, smart enough, adept enough to create not one but two multi million dollar companies and sell them manage to lose all that? What went wrong? <laughs> it does hurt. Um, <laughs> arrogance, you know, ah. absolute arrogance. So uh, when I, I sold my second company to a Fortune five hundred and. Uh, 
uh, Jeff, I'll never forget the moment when they slid that check across the table to me. You know, people ask me, is that a great day? I'm like, you know, it's not a great day. It's an effing great day. <laughs> like, you know, I've never seen so much money come across the table and, and realize I didn't even really deserve it. This is the right time, the right place, and, and did some of the right things. But um, what happened was I thought that the genius and the, and the success was all me. But uh, it wasn't. It was the people I was working with. It was being in the right place at the right time. Uh, major things happened in the macro environment I had no control over. But I thought it was all me. And, and I started to believe my own story and started to live that way. And so I became an angel investor, started about uh, 10 companies consecutively, and one failed after the other. Mm. So that's how you lose your money. And, and by the way, buying all the trophies too, the cars, moving to the expensive town, join the club, that stuff too. Now, one of those 10 did survive though. That's one of those 10 startups, right? Yeah. Yeah. One of them was a small manufacturer in St. Louis. It's a slightly bigger small manufacturer, but a very healthy, financially healthy business now. Um, yeah, that one survived. And it's funny if I tell like true you know real investors i call myself the angel of death like, so <laughs> you know i really i used to be an angel investor but i'm really i realize i'm the angel of death when i meet with real angel investors they're like oh a one to ten ratio is not so bad well for these folks the one to ten the, the one they have a hit on is like facebook or google or <laughs> you know something twitter you know my success with this company it's just a small little company but it but it's doing extremely well on its own. But for me, it didn't nearly recover the damage I'd done to myself. Mm. Well, early in the book, uh, Mike talks about a concept that once he explained that I completely identified with, and uh, Mike, you call this the, the bank balance accounting that most of us sort of default to. Can you, can you describe what you mean by that? Yeah, so most people, most entrepreneurs are told to do traditional accounting. Look at your income statement, your balance sheet, your cash flow statement, you know, know all the metrics behind it, the operating cash ratio, quicker, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and at least for me and for folks I've studied now and, and the countless entrepreneurs I've interviewed, they're like, um, honestly, I do not look at the statements. At the end of the year, when, when taxes are due, I want to see if I had a little profit, but that's about it. But what I do do is every single morning, I log into my bank account and perhaps even multiple times a day to see what the balance is. Mm. And based upon the balance they see that I saw, we react and take actions. A big balance, yeah, I'll spend some more money. Small balance, well, you know, I better make collection calls. So I call that bank balance accounting, and that seems to be the, the normal tendency of the vast majority of entrepreneurs out there. Now, we don't have, uh, in the form of a podcast, the benefit of being able to, to see the diagrams uh, that are included in the book, but describe as best as you can, Mike, the survival trap, you call it, that most entrepreneurs fall into. You've hinted at some of that, but can you flesh that out for us a bit? Absolutely. So we are in, at point A. To where we are today in our business, let's call it point A, and we want to go to point B. It's usually you know, our current life and our vision for our life or for our business is point A and point B. But what I have come to realize is point A for most of us is really crisis, and point B, that vision, is really just a dream. It would be nice if. So what happens is when we're in point A, uh, crisis is inevitably, I don't have enough money to cover uh, rent for the office, or I don't have enough money to pay my own mortgage, or I don't have enough money to pay my employees. It's, it's a crisis of some sort, usually revolving around money. So what happens then is the entrepreneur is motivated 
fear-driven to very quickly bring in money, sell anything to anyone, um, you know, make collection calls, introduce a new product just because you know you can make some quick money even though it's not your core competency. You know, hire a sales guy fast who's a rainmaker and can bring all this money in. Mm-hmm. And so what happens is we take actions in any direction away from point A. So if you can visualize in your mind point A on the left and point B on the right, if we take any action in point A to bring in money immediately, we don't necessarily have to go to the right. If we go up, down, left, any direction, it'll get us away from the crisis. Now, the problem is uh, many times we're making decisions that actually are in the polar opposite direction of that dream or vision we had. So we, we sell something fast. We bring on a sales guy, and it may get us out of crisis but only temporarily because it's not driving us toward our vision. And very quickly, we get sucked back into crisis mode again, and this crisis recycles. And, and a lot of businesses live this way. It's called check to check, and it's constant crisis management. What I suggest in, in Profit First is we need to have clarity of our vision, but we need to be uh, uh, courageous enough, I guess is the term, to make decisions and take actions that are consistent with both getting us out of crisis, making money in the moment, but driving us toward that vision we have for our business. Because once we start stringing that, that type of action together, that starts bringing in permanent profit. And, and then we have crisis once and for all. And Mike has some pretty strong opinions about gap accounting, generally accepted accounting principles. <laughs> Mike, why do you believe it's killing most businesses? Yeah, so I have my little Johnny Cochran statement that gap is crap. It's like, you know, <laughs> if a glove don't fit, you must have quit. This is my version. And the reason is gap, and I, I am vehement about this, is fundamentally flawed. The foundational formula of gap that we all know and, and are mandated to use by the SEC, by the way, is sales minus expenses equals profit. Now, logically, it's a sound formula. It's a perfect formula. But behaviorally, the way we think, the way we behave as entrepreneurs, it's a flawed formula because profit is the remainder. It's a leftover. It's a leftover. It's the after final thought. And whatever comes at the very end usually never happens. So most businesses are selling to maintain their expenses. (laughs) They, They do the stuff that's up front. I suggest we flip the formula and it becomes sales minus profit equals expenses. And with this simple flip, Logically, it's the same math. I mean, the, the numbers work out the same way, but by flipping it, the behavior changes, and that's the significant part. Sell what you can, like you always would, but now extract your profit first, tuck it away, reserve it, and now the remainder is expenses. So we have to run our business off the remainder, and sure enough, we'll become more frugal, we'll become more innovative, we'll find ways to get things done with less. If I remember nothing else from this conversation, I know I'm going to remember gap is crap. <laughs> <laughs> now you have the, the mnemonic has been implanted. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Well, I love the story in chapter two about what the, what the diet industry taught you about growing a healthy business. Uh, can you share a bit about how you came to the profit first idea in the first place? Yeah. So after I went through this period of losing all my money, I had my come to Jesus moment and it was not a pretty moment. I realized how much I'd failed Mm. and uh, actually had functional depression, Um, mild depression, but but absolute depression. I started drinking, watching TV, which uh, are two things ironically that I don't do much of. Um, And I was watching infomercials. And one day getting tired of watching those infomercials, I saw a fitness expert on a public channel explain why infomercial suggestions like the thigh master and p90x all these things 
why they're only temporary fix, but fixes but not sustainable. Mm. And I started correlating this to financial health, not just physical health, but financial health. And one of the foundational things that really changed my mind around our finances was this. That fitness expert said, we have a tendency, an established habit as a society, as an American society, but also a global society, that when it comes to eating, we fill up our plate, and then we eat everything that's on our plate. Our moms have told us to do this. You know, <laughs> eat what's on your plate, eat up. Don't go to bed before you finish you know, your meal, or don't go away from the table. <laughs> well, he goes, the problem with that habit is that plates have doubled in size since the 1700s. So in George Washington's day, pl- plates were literally the size of what we have for a uh, almost like a, a coffee mug tray or mm. plate. But we've doubled in size. And the, along with it, our consumption of calories have doubled. So he goes, the solution is ironically very simple. If we try to change our habit, it's near impossible. Like, you know, tell a smoker to stop smoking. Smokers understand how risky it is. That's not the problem. The habit is now established. They say the, he said the best way to fix it is to put guardrails so that the person can continue the habit. So for the smoker, maybe you get the, now the vapor cigarettes. I'm not saying those are, are extraordinarily healthy solutions, but they may be improved solutions, mm-hmm. but they allow you to continue the habit. For, for us in our diets, by reducing the plate size, we get to continue that habit of fill up the plate and everything that's on it by, by cutting the plate's at our house in half, you know, getting smaller plates will consume less. Well, the parallel to my, my uh, our financials was became like this aha moment. We're doing bank balance accounting. We're looking at the balance in one checking account and saying, wow, look at all this money I have to spend. <laughs> Instead, break out your accounts into multiple plates. So you have a profit plate, for example. You have a, a owner's pay plate to pay yourself. You have a tax plate to reserve money for taxes and other plates and your expenses themselves. And now when $1,000 or $10,000 or whatever the number is is in your bank account, let's say it's 10000 it doesn't mean you have 10000 to spend. 2000 may have been reserved for your profit. 3000 may have been reserved to pay yourself that month or that week or whatever it is. Another 1000 or two for taxes. And that means there's only about four or 5000 left to run your business off of. And your whole perspective changes now. Instead of seeing this massive $10,000 account where I can spend this money and, and quote unquote, invest in my business, now you realize it's only about half that amount. You only have 5000 to spend, yet you have to get the same things done. So it changes our behavior dramatically. I loved the story in the book where you sort of told off the accountant. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What I did, his name is Bob. I will not say his last name. <laughs> he called, uh, and we were talking about profit first, and he says, Mike, I got to tell you, this is a waste of time and a distraction because all you're saying is to set up multiple accounts at a at a bank, and uh, he goes, you can. You don't need to do that. You can simply just do it with your GL accounts, your general ledger accounts, with your banks, uh, with your uh, accounting system, and see the same thing. I said, but Bob, you have to understand. We log into our checking accounts. We don't. We're not like Spock. We are entrepreneurs. We're not like accountants. Uh, we're not that logical. And he says, well, I'll tell you because I've been doing this forever. You're wrong. Don't do this. So then I got snarky and I said, well. Well, Bob, how many of your clients you tell to do the GL accounts this way? He goes, everyone. I tell them to set up the accounts as you want to, and you can see what's going on with your business. I said, okay. Uh, how many clients do you have? He said, I think it was like 200. I said, great. I said, out of those 200, how many are profitable? It, it works so well. It must be all of them. <laughs> and he says nothing, right? So I said, oh, okay. So no, seriously, what is it, 50%? It doesn't say a word. I said, oh, Bob, is it, is it 10% of your clients? Not a word. I said, 
are you kidding me? Less than 5% of your clients are profitable using your system, Bob? And he just hung up the phone. <laughs> so I felt like a jerk. I really felt like a jerk. I actually subsequently apologized to him because I was snarky. But I did drive the point home to him, uh, albeit he has not adopted it yet, um, that just because our accounting system says something, it's not consistent with our behavior. Mm. Entrepreneurs look at bank accounts in general. And the profit first system, I'm saying continue that habit. It, before it was a bad habit because there was no guardrails. Now once you put guardrails in place, it actually becomes a very good habit to leverage. Well, let's talk about the nitty-gritty. What are three action steps, Mike, we can, that we need to take really right now to get our business profit ready? How do we get there? Yeah, so step one today, and I mean, it, literally you can do this as you're listening to the, the, our cast right now. Just go to, call your bank or go online and allocate five accounts. One's your income account. The goal of this account is simply for inbound cash flow. Every time you have a deposit, goes in here. This is like a serving tray at Thanksgiving. This is where the turkey goes. Of course, you never eat off the tray. You apportion it to other plates. So the income account is the first account. The four others are profit, owner's pay, tax, and operating expenses. Now, there's percentages you'll assign to it. And uh, maybe you can share a link or something. But I do have some resources on my website that have different percentages I suggest based upon companies I've studied. So um, you can get that there or you can, you can include a link. But uh, you, the second step is once you set these accounts up, uh, define the percentages. I call them target allocation percentages or TAPs that we want to put into different accounts. We want to predetermine the percentage uh, that we want to allocate to different functions. So our profit, maybe we want to allocate um, 10%. Then that becomes our allocation percentage there and so forth. And then the third and final step is set up an account or two accounts with a second bank that you've never dealt with in the past uh, to ultimately accumulate your profits. So once you accumulate profit into your existing a bank account that you've allocated, transfer it to the second bank. And this seems like almost like an unnecessary step until you realize it's a great method of removing temptation, of borrowing from yourself. You want to store your profits away out of sight, out of mind, and over time they'll accumulate. Uh, you use the word destroying debt, the phrase destroying debt, which I love, uh, obliterating it, demolishing yeah. it. Uh, what are one or two simple solutions that you share in the book for destroying debt? Well, one thing is to realize that expenses are simply pending debt, right? So mm. if we continue to incur expenses today, they become debt tomorrow. And what a lot of us like to play games, often with our credit cards, <laughs> where we see a bank balance and we don't have enough money in there to do all the stuff we need. So we use our credit card to purchase some stuff. And then that gives us this false belief that now the cash thing in the bank is available for some other fund. And this is how debt quickly accumulates. We borrow here, we move money around there, but quickly accumulate debt. The first step to eradicating debt is to stop incurring new debt, stop incurring expenses. So you have to thrash and trash your ongoing recurring expenses. You got office rent, how do you get that? How do you get rid of that? How do you cut it down? Uh, you have some recurring subscriptions. Really investigate how much you're using, how much you're, you're getting out of them, and reduce those costs. Um, uh, and by the way, you should differentiate investments, stuff where you get a return out of it from costs. If you're making an investment, like I have software, accounting software I use, I need that. The question really becomes now, am I squeezing all the juice out of it? Am I getting all the value out of it? Well, once I looked at my accounting system, I also realized it had a, a CRM 
more than functional enough for what I need to do. So I got rid of my CRM software and started using the accounting system. Mm. So you can squeeze juice out of what you already have. And then the second step is to eradicate debt, is to use a strategy coined by a fellow named Dave Ramsey, a very popular author. Uh, and he wrote this uh, book called, or this concept called the debt snowball. And what he suggested is all the debt we have, instead of tackling the debt with the highest interest rates, which makes logical sense, we need to instead start paying debts in sequence based upon lowest amount due to highest amount due. And you know, maintain all the debt, pay the minimum balances on all the debt, but any last dollar you have, allocate to the smallest debt first so you can eradicate it. Once it's gone, that money that was going to that smallest debt now teams up with the minimum payment you were making on this second smallest debt and you crush it. Now all that money piles up even bigger for the third debt and so forth. And this builds a behavioral muscle, confidence, because you start eradicating small debt very quickly. You have early wins. Mm. It builds up that momentum in crushing debt. And coincidentally, Dave is doing an event in New York on the second, you may be aware of, with Seth Godin and Gary Vaynerchuk yes. called Business Gets Personal. Business Gets Personal, the event, is sponsoring this episode of the Read to Lead podcast. So oh, that's awesome. A little synergy happening there yeah. unintentionally. And now's as good a time as any to tell you more about this special event. You know Dave Ramsey, no doubt. He's the author of five best-selling books and a nationally syndicated radio host heard on over 500 stations around the country. Dave is teaming up with marketing powerhouses Seth Godin and Gary Vaynerchuk for a one-time event in New York City. It's called Business Gets Personal. It's happening on October the 2nd. Dave has the number one book on business with entree leadership. Seth has the number one marketing blog in the world, and Gary is the expert when it comes to social media marketing. This event is going to be packed with information that will help you build, grow, and profit in business. If you're an entrepreneur and you're looking to start a new business, you need to be there. If you're already running a successful business and you want to learn how these guys started from scratch and are now the best in their fields, you need to be there. Find out more at readtoleadpodcast.com slash Dave. You do not want to miss this event. Save $100 on every ticket you purchase with the discount code READ to LEAD. Just go to readtoleadpodcast.com slash Dave. Um, is it safe to assume we can take the profit first concepts we're applying to our business and apply those to our life, Mike? Uh, yeah, yeah. And, and you're almost setting me up to talk about a potential book coming down the road, uh, which I'm going to call Profit First Lifestyle or some version of that. But ironically, I've almost reversed it. This, these Profit First concepts are stuff we've been told about in our personal life. They say pay yourself first, which I'm sure you've heard of many times. Tithing. It's all forms of taking a portion of our income and allocating it to a defined, predefined purpose. The funny thing is, it's never been done in business. Like everyone said, you know, pay yourself first at home, but no one, no one said, oh, I should do this in my business life. <laughs> so yes, it absolutely applies in our personal life too. What are some strategies, Mike, we can use to, to fight the urge to fall back on conventional wisdom or, or to fall victim to our perceptions of our own limits even? Uh, yeah, so we, we very quickly go back to the gut instinct because the irony, especially as a business owner, as you're growing your business, especially in the early stages, your gut matters. You, you don't have time to do all the technical detail and enter all the stuff into your system and understand the finances. So you look at your balance and you just make bets because it's just you anyway in the beginning. Over time, this necessary ability becomes a crippling ability as our business gets bigger and bigger. We need to use our gut less and, and use a, a system like, like profit first. So one of the things is 
implementing the system will start overcoming that conventional or I should say ingrained wisdom, which may not be so wise after all in the long term. But secondly, I definitely encourage everyone to form accountability, match up with other people that are going through the same process that you are. Just like a gym membership. If you, if you want to get a good workout, team up with another person, a peer, who also wants to get a good workout. You'll hold each other accountable to this. Well, I want to ask you some questions, Mike, not directly related to the book. But before I do that, is there anything else from the book you want to make sure we know about or walk away with? Uh, yeah, and it's a little bit of a plug, but, but I think it's important because it kind of parlays into that last question sure. you asked. You know, I found the ultimate way to get a good workout is to have a trainer because a trainer is someone that will keep you physically uh, uh, committed, you know, committed to your task, but also knows all the right exercises that you should do so you don't hurt yourself. Well, there's accountants and uh, bookkeepers and even business coaches out there who understand profit first. So one resource I have, if it's okay to mention it. Sure. Okay, cool. It's called Profit First Professionals. And so it's ProfitFirstProfessionals.com where we've created a list now of accountants and bookkeepers and business coaches who understand this profit first model, but also have seen many businesses through it. So the benefit is as you do this, one propensity I found a lot of people to do is they hear about this system. They say, oh, I want to be really profitable. I'm going to start allocating 60% of my income toward (laughs) profit, like huge numbers. And and it's like going to the gym and saying, I'm going to bench press 600 pounds. Like you're going to kill yourself. Mm. So it's nice to have a trainer that can actually build your muscle, and that's what Profit First Professionals is. It's just a really good resource. I myself hired an accountant. That's how I got started, an accountant and also a bookkeeper to guide me through this. I had to teach them the process, but then said, you're now my teacher. Hold my feet to the fire. So. And we'll be including uh, links to not only Mike's site, but also the resources page on his website includes all those PDFs and charts and whatnot from the book. All the resources you'll be able to find at uh, readtoleadpodcast.com slash 056 for episode 56. Well, Mike, I was wondering if you could name for us a couple of books that you have read or maybe are currently reading that have had an impact on you and, and share why or how they've impacted you as they have. Yeah, so... Um I, I love, I'm a huge reader. So recent books, um, scientific advertising, uh, which I, uh, you don't even know who wrote that, but it's, an, it's a classic from the 50s. Uh, it Maybe it's an Ogilvy book. Really, really powerful in that it shows you uh, ways of persuasion just by changing words around. Uh, and by the way, persuasion and manipulation often get confused. Persuasion is where you guide people to somewhere where they want to go, but you make the path easier and faster. Mm. Manipulation is where you guide people to where they don't want to go. Um, so these are persuasive tactics. And um, I'm reading Quiet right now. I've just started digging into it. That book is by, actually I actually have it in my backpack right here, Susan Cain. Mm. It's really interesting about the power of the introvert where there's been all this kind of push toward extroversion, work group environments, you know, these big open, almost like wide uh, spaces, open spaces where people are just constantly chit-chatting with each other because of the power of networking and brainstorming. And this book proposes the total opposite, that it's the solitude that actually gives us the inspiration and the power. Uh, And then a third book kind of out of left field is called Moonwalking with Einstein. Mm. Um, It's a book about memorization techniques and the study of these memory experts. But why I found this book so fascinating is uh, there's, they even teach you some of the techniques while you're reading the book. It, It blows 
away my paradigm on what my own abilities were. Mm. When I read this book, I was like, holy cow, I can memorize like 50 random things and remember them sequence. And like, holy cow, what else have I believed I couldn't do that I really can do? Uh, it helps me bust my own myths. Mm. Can you run a four-minute mile? <laughs> no. Well, maybe. Maybe not. Maybe, maybe that's a myth. I don't, I don't know. I am doing the zombie run with my two children, my two youngest children. Uh. We're going to go. It's like one of these mud runs, but they have like zombies chase you. And I suspect, I suspect that I will run a four-minute mile because the whole thing creeps me out. But it's like you say in the book, you know, uh, suddenly somebody does that and then a whole bunch of people realize, well, hey, maybe I can do that too. Isn't that fascinating? It is. It's, it's the power of axioms. And, and actually, that's the whole premise of Profit First is think about the classic axiom of the world is flat. You know, back in 100 AD or BC, man for a period of time truly believed the world was flat. And if you went too far out in the ocean, you'd actually fall off the side. <laughs> and uh, it's kind of funny I'm laughing at, but back then that was really serious business. So serious that when maps were designed, if you ever look at an old map, you'll see monsters in the corners of the map in the ocean. <laughs> Simply, they were des- they were specifically designed to scare people from going that far out because it was so dangerous mm. you'd fall off the side. Well, one day someone said, no, you know, I think the world's round. That person was lambasted, I'm sure. But over time, people started to say, well, maybe that's true. And then when they started acting on it, it opened up commerce. I mean, the whole world changed. The biggest advancements came out of this realization that we could navigate the world because it's round. <laughs> well, profit first, and I'm not putting on the same level of that, of that innovation, but there is an established axiom. People, entrepreneurs believe, sell as much as you can, subtract your expenses, and then let's see what's left over as profit. And I am one of, not the only, but there's more and more people talking about this, total nonsense. Sell what you can, Take your profit, predetermine your profit, and then back engineer or reverse engineer into how you get this done with the remaining expenses. Excellent. Well, uh, one more question I want to ask you, Mike, is you know, you had, you've had the chance to impact a lot of people with your work, with your speaking, with your writing, uh, with your consulting. So at the end of the day for you, uh, when it's all over, uh, what do you want your legacy to be? <laughs> I, I think I want it to be... I don't know how it's going to play out. I, I, I truly want to impact underdog entrepreneurs. And I'm not, here's the funny part. I don't believe anyone's really an underdog, but I believe we perceive ourselves that way. I want to impact underdog entrepreneurs in expressing their authentic selves, their true selves via entrepreneurship. It's a platform. You know, I'm not driven to make people stupid rich, but I do know that's a magnetic to say that and people are like, oh, that's what I want. <laughs> I think at the end of the day, really, we just want to show the world who we are and have an impact. So I feel I want to impact the world by serving a group of entrepreneurs, underdog entrepreneurs, people that are struggling now to really have the impact and use business to be their platform. And, and maybe it'll be through books, maybe through television, um, maybe, maybe through speaking, but mm. that's what I want to do. Well, it's been great having you. I've really enjoyed the book, Mike, and I highly encourage everybody to pick it up. And the thing that struck me about you, I got a chance to first hear you on the Accelerating Entrepreneurial Success podcast. Actually, I don't think that episode is even released yet, or I'm not sure if it has yet, but I was kind of working behind the scenes with John Bowen on that. And you just really struck me as a truly genuine guy, great dad, great husband, and just just really resonated with me. And I knew as soon as I heard you on that show that I needed you on this one. So so thanks for coming on. We really 
really appreciate it. Jeff, that means the world to me. I really, really, that's to me, that's the ultimate compliment to hear those words. So that, that's what I consider success. So th- thank you. I really appreciate that. Hope you enjoyed getting to know Mike as much as I did. And as I said before, I highly recommend the new book. For all the resources, the links we talked about, like Profit First Professionals, Mike's personal site, and the PDFs and other diagrams from the book. Plus, to connect with Mike on Twitter, just go to readtoleadpodcast.com slash 056 for episode 56. Please remember our sponsors, both Blinkist and the Business Gets Personal event with Dave Ramsey, Seth Godin, and Gary Vaynerchuk. For more on that, readtoleadpodcast.com slash Dave. For more on Blinkist, readtoleadpodcast.com slash Blinkist. Thank you to Joe D'Souza from Canada with a five-star rating and review of the podcast in iTunes. Joe calls it a must-listen. Thank you, Joe. And Brendan Huford at GIReviews.net says, as advertised with a five-star rating and review. If you wouldn't mind leaving us a rating and review, we'd appreciate it. You can do that on iTunes via readtoleadpodcast.com slash iTunes or on Stitcher, readtoleadpodcast.com slash Stitcher. And I'll be sure and mention your name if you happen to leave a five-star rating and review. We'd appreciate it very, very much. Well, that's going to do it for this week. I hope to see you next time for the Read to Lead podcast. Thanks so much for listening to the Read to Lead podcast. As a subscriber, we challenge you to be more than just a passive listener. Become a vital member of the community. Visit us on the web at readtoleadpodcast.com and chat with other members at facebook.com slash readtoleadnation. Until next time, remember, leaders read and readers lead. Shake it off, shake it off. Heartbreak is gonna break, 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 break. And the fake is gonna fake, 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 baby. I'm just gonna shake, 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 shake. I shake it off, I shake it off.